Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Congress returns to Washington this week for its final work session of 2019, and it's fair to say the to-do list remains daunting. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Sarah Babbage. On top of that to-do list is funding the government for the rest of fiscal 2020, which began back on October 1st. President Donald Trump signed a continuing resolution before Thanksgiving to keep the government open through December 20th, which is now less than three weeks away. In these situations, we like to turn to BGov budget and appropriations reporter Jack Fitzpatrick to keep us up on every twist and turn, and he joins us in the studio now. Welcome back, Jack. Thanks for having me back. So the big development since you were on the show two weeks ago is the agreement on the so-called 302B allocations. And those are the top line spending numbers for each of the 12 appropriations bills that Congress is going to need to enact before uh, the December 20th deadline. So tell us how those um, allocations came to be decided. Yeah, they were negotiated for a long time. You may remember the budget caps deal that came together at the end of July uh, that set the top line defense and non-defense numbers. But then the appropriators had to, on a bicameral level, agree to a top line level for every bill out of the 12 appropriations bills. So they were negotiating that for a while. Even when the Senate took its uh, bills to the floor, it was just their own numbers. The House had worked on their own numbers. The big fight was over how much money goes into really the Democrats' favorite bill, which is labor HHS education, and how much goes into Homeland Security, which includes the bulk of the president's border wall funding request. Uh, Now there is an agreement. They haven't made those numbers public, so us uh, reporters, we're going to be bugging some of the cardinals to see if anybody will tell us anything or anybody uh, elsewhere has heard And cardinals are the the subcommittee chairs. The subcommittee chairs. uh, The big questions uh, from this point on are, who has what, who's happy with their allocation, which of those bills can be finished quickly. We're only two and a half weeks out from the December 20th deadline. So uh, there, there are still some questions up in the air, but this is kind of like the starting gun of the real negotiations. Once they all have those top line numbers, all those appropriators can get to work doing the final bicameral versions of these bills. Uh, I think some good news is that it sticks to the budget caps deal. And I say that not as someone who has a position on spending levels overall for the government, but it streamlines the process. They don't have to pass additional legislation to implement the allocations. Right. That came up. The Democrats had asked for a change uh, to the budget caps deal, somewhat unsurprisingly. There there are a lot of domestic priorities that the Democrats would like. Uh, the, The description that we had heard was some sort of exemption. Uh, to implement the VA Mission Act. But once you change the caps, money is fungible. So really this came down to uh, talking about whether they were going to increase spending overall over those limits or not. That fell off the board. And probably, you know, if, if Democrats consider that a loss, their victory would be they didn't have to agree to some border wall number. Uh, the, there's no solution yet to the border wall debate 
they can work on these uh, these bills and Republicans still uh, unfortunately feel like things are up in their, the air. There's no agreement on when they're going to take Homeland Security to the floor, how much money would be in there for fencing. So that's a, another big question. And, and Democrats had been saying, we just want to put that off and get these 302Bs set. Do we know what the White House is pushing for? Are they still calling for a certain amount of money for the border wall? Nothing has changed uh, that we know of there. The, the overall request was $8.6 billion. Uh, that's $5 billion in Homeland, $3.6 billion in the military construction VA bill. And then there's still the question of, you know, Democrats would love to include restrictions on the administration's ability to reprogram money, which obviously the administration wouldn't want. So around now is the, the time when they're going to have to actually get into those discussions. Uh, and and it, the reprogramming issue is relevant to the defense appropriations bill, which is so big and important to Republicans, they may want to move that first. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if if they really get into the nitty gritty now or in the next couple of weeks. But it, I, as of now, I don't think anything has really changed with the administration's requests. So what is the mood among lawmakers? Do they feel like they're making real progress to funding at least most of the government by December 20th? Or do they feel like they're kicking the can down the road and just staving off a shutdown? for as long as possible. Most of the government might be ambitious, but the mood is generally pretty positive. When they left before Thanksgiving for that recess, uh, as they closed in on, on this uh, deal for the top line numbers, the, the mood was generally positive, but a lot of the lawmakers were being kind of realistic about, you know, can you do all 12 appropriations bills? Probably not. That would be a bit of a miracle. Uh, actually, Lucille Roybal Allard, who's the chair of the House Appropriations Homeland Security Subcommittee, said it would uh, basically take a miracle to get that bill done uh, and signed into law by December 20th. So the toughest ones, I, I, I don't think many people expect to be finished by December 20th, but we could potentially see a lot of money, maybe a majority of the, the money appropriated if they were to do a defense labor HHS education package again, uh, finished by December 20th. That's definitely not impossible. And then a sort of partial stopgap for the rest. How have the impeachment hearings in the House um, changed the dynamic, or have they at all? Um, we have the impeachment hearings moving over to the Judiciary Committee this week. Um, any kind of overlap between those? There's clearly some overlap, but it's it's really just this big X factor that everybody's aware of, uh, but nobody seems to know exactly how it's going to affect spending talks. Uh, Richard Shelby, the Senate Appropriations Chairman, has said, you know, the timing is such that this needs to be discussed, and he said he would bring it up with Democrats just to talk about the fact that. Uh, there's a December 20th spending deadline, and it looks pretty likely that the House could vote on articles of impeachment sometime around that date. So politically, there's, uh, there's some concern because you don't know what mood the president's going to be in. You don't know what kind of pressure uh, Democrats and Republicans are going to be under as a, a House vote comes close and, and Republican senators kind of uh, consider what position they're in. The border wall is a, a tough issue that probably only gets tougher as there's this really kind of personal political fight between more or less Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump. 
Uh, so it's it's kind of considered this variable that I, I don't think anybody knows how it's going to affect spending talks, but it's definitely sort of looming. So we, we talked about DHS and the, the border wall issue. Are there any other bills that could potentially be big holdups and get pushed past December 20th? That's a good question. It probably depends on how they uh, want to package bills and which ones they would want to go first. There are controversies that they haven't settled, even within the Labor HHS bill, which a lot of appropriators have said should and could move quickly. Uh, the abortion policy riders that we've talked about before on Title X uh, and actually in the state and foreign operations bill, the Mexico City policy issue, Democrats would like to uh, block some Trump administration policies uh, and Republicans have said, you know, we pretty much agreed to avoid poison pill riders. Let's do away with that. Um, those are those are sticking points that tend to get pretty tough as we get closer to real action on those bills, whether they're going to the floor or just being negotiated behind the scenes. Uh, but the the expectation is a lot of these bills could move very quickly, and Homeland and Milcon VA because of the border wall issue. Uh, the, those are the really tough ones. There are other controversies that they need to work out, but everybody seems to think they can work them out and pass them pretty quickly if they decide that's what they want to take to the floor by December 20th. What are you watching for this week? Anything you're expecting to develop? Uh, this week, obviously, reporters are going to be trying to gleaning as much information about these numbers and what decisions are going to be made, especially within the Homeland Security Bill. Uh, also, any decisions that are made about what bills would be packaged together and moved first. Um, there are some appropriators who have said a, a defense labor HHS package would make a lot of sense. Maybe there would be one or two other bills on that in that first package that could constitute two-thirds or more of federal spending, discretionary spending. Roy Blunt, who's the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Labor HHS subcommittee, has said it would make a lot of sense and, and, and could move, they could move that package very quickly. Uh, so the, the decisions that are made about how to actually pass these through both the House and Senate and get them signed, what can happen most quickly, and, and how much of the government can actually be funded and not rely on a stopgap, those are the big questions for this week. Well, thank you, Jack. And even with spending talks and the impeachment inquiry ongoing, the House has plenty of other stuff to do this week. Uh, it's going to take up several bills to address foreign policy, insider trading, citizenship for children of deployed military and civil servants, as well as a measure that targets illegal robocalls. And this is something that Adam has been watching closely for us. Yeah, this bill is uh, the, the Pallone Thune Traced Act. Uh, it would target robocalls and spoofing. It's named for the sponsors of two different bills, one in the Senate for uh, Senator John Thune and one in the House for Representative Frank Pallone. Uh, and it kind of combines and picks and chooses provisions from, from these two bills. The big thing it would do is give the FCC direct authority to fine anybody for robocall or spoofing violations. And robocalls are you know, you, you get them on your cell phone and it's a, an automated dialer that or a recorded voice. And a lot of times it's fraud or telling you you've won a cruise that you, you didn't win or, or timeshare. Yeah, exactly. So uh, 
those are, are generally illegal when they're made to mobile phones or hospital rooms or emergency lines or hotel rooms uh, unless there's a, a prior relationship. So if your doctor wants to send you an automated appointment reminder, that's okay. That's not illegal unless you tell them not to. Um, and this targets only the illegal ones. Spoofing is a related practice that a lot of robocallers use, and it, it basically hides the true caller ID information. It provides misleading caller ID to your phone, whether it's a text message or a phone call. And so like when I get um, calls that look almost like my own cell phone number, but just one or two numbers are different, and you think, oh, that's that must be somebody I know? Is that the kind of thing? Yeah, generally those are spoofed numbers, and, and that's not a legal practice. And this bill would allow the FCC to fine anyone uh, who violates the, the bill, $10,000 per violation, and they could actually double that to, with an additional 10000 for intentional violations. So these penalties can pile up pretty quickly. And the FCC, under this bill, would not have to issue a citation first before they could issue the fine. They could just go straight to, uh, we found that you've done this, here's a fine. You have a chance to respond, of course, whether in writing or at a hearing. But... Um, they wouldn't have to go through that extra step of establishing the violation before they could uh, move on to the penalty. And so robocalls are not legal now, as you've said, so um, for the instances like uh, mobile phones or hotel rooms. So this is just giving the FCC more direct enforcement authority, basically. Yeah, exactly. And they, there's also some provisions in the bill to get them to work more closely with the Federal Trade Commission and the Justice Department on exploring better ways to coordinate enforcement among themselves and among state governments and foreign governments, because this is not just unique to the United States. This is a, a pretty wide phenomenon. Another thing the bill would do is require most phone providers to implement an authentication framework to ensure that the caller ID they're passing through to your phone is accurate. Um, and that helps prevent spoofing. It also facilitates blocking robocalls so that they don't ever actually reach your phone, or at least fewer of them reach your phone if they're not legal. So uh, I mentioned that both for the substance, and also because it's called stir shaken, which is a, a very catchy name for a very technical process. Uh, it stands for Secure Telephone Identity Revisited and Signature-Based Handling of Asserted Information Using Tokens. Uh, Congress loves their acronyms. They do, and uh, this one is actually not even Congress. This is a, a technical standard, basically, that's oh. been adopted in industry, and this would require it to be rolled out. So this is Congress finding an acronym they like and saying, we're rolling with it, as opposed to trying to come up with their own. That's great. Well, that's it for us this week. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Find out more about the topics we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Daniel Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information can be found at premiumbeat.com. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the US doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And is mining really better 
down where it's wetter. Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.